thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran. Well, Fighter Pilot Podcast friends, it is the end of another year and the beginning of yet another. And as always, a new tradition with the show at this time of year, we welcome back our friend Rob Kibbe to talk about what's happened and what's going forward and see what's new in his life. He's my friend and mentor, as you may recall, from the Muscle Car Place Podcast Network. Rob, welcome back to the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Vincent. Merry Christmas. Congrats on two two full years of podcasting. <laughs> in podcasting, that's like 20 years of flying in the military, I think. It's a place most people have never been. <laughs> well, yes. And Merry Christmas to you as well, my friend. It is yeah. just a couple days here before as we record this, but we'll air this right around the end of the year, beginning of the next year. And yeah, it's been a really great and formative year. And I look forward to you know digesting a little bit of it with you. And particularly if those who are interested might want to go back and listen to last year's recap that we did. And I'm going to kind of base this discussion off of that, if that's okay. But first, by the way, I want to ask you, because last year you said December was always a busy month for you, getting all your sponsorships and everything lined up. Is it still just as crazy this year in 2019? It is. It has actually kind of calmed down a little bit. Some of our longtime sponsors, I mean, you never want to take anything for granted, but they had committed to next year, I guess, 2020, fairly early on. So it was all but paperwork to complete and ah. and kind of numbers were, were already agreed upon. So that wasn't too hard. I brought up uh, aboard a new salesperson. Okay, and uh, we started some doing some smaller sponsorships and advertising segments. Those go typically more in three month segments, and there is some oh stress or learning curve around that. But what's kind of neat for me is just like when I hired uh, Bernie McPartland, our producer. It's just a relief. I don't even think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we do our best to do good work. We do our best to make shows that are compelling. We do our best to make sure that the advertising sponsors we bring in are appropriate and are are not just, you know, like Kleenex or <laughs> some of the male <laughs> enhancement things or, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the mm-hmm. things that we actually want. And that's totally changed how we do business. So, uh, yeah, everything is good. Actually, I was um, when we were getting ready here, the last time we had uh, done a call through the way we're doing it, was for last year's, and it was literally one year and one day ago. December 20th is when we recorded the last one, so that's fun. Well, we are precise, if not accurate, so that's a good thing. And (laughs) it's funny you mentioned the advertisers and all that, because that is one thing we talked about last year that I thought we would uh, do a little bit more with than we did. But what are your thoughts for this discussion? I mean, we can ramble, we can cover a few things in order, I don't know. Well, um... I have a number of questions for you. Okay. And um, we had a little outline, and I did take that outline, and then I added a few things in here. I may not go in order of the outline, but I thought I'd kind of just hit you (laughs) up on personal things. The first is, this was a big year for you personally outside of the show because uh, your your father passed. And uh, that was something that you, you knew was coming, but it never probably fully prepares you for the fact that when it actually happens. 
And that happened right during the middle of the year. And I don't know if that had any impact on the show or how you thought about the show or how you thought about how you use your time and what's important. But I guess I wanted to start there. How did that impact you personally? I appreciate it. Well, it did impact the show, obviously, because I tend to do a lot of the work. I have a great team of help, but he was 93 years old and his health had been deteriorating and my sister was there and it wasn't surprise like a car crash or anything. And, you know, the other thing is he lived several hours up the road and he and my mother divorced. We were younger. So we weren't as close as I know, for example, you are with your father. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was still my dad and obviously it was sad, but when a person gets in their nineties, I think you're fooling yourself if you don't start to prepare for it. When it happened for me, just the kind of person I am, I basically, you know, took it head on like I do most things. And I said, okay, well, he's getting ill. So we need to take turns helping out and my sister needs the help. So I'll do what I can to be there. And okay, now he's gone. What's the next thing we need to do? And I'm probably too pragmatic in that regard. But then weeks later, something like, oh, it was in the fall, the annual UCLA USC game, which was always the big arch rival. You know, he and I both went to UCLA. So sure. <laughs> when I saw that the game was coming on for a brief instant, I said, oh, I have to call my dad. And then I thought, oh, wait, I can't. And so, yeah, you know, little things here and there, but it did derail the show a little bit just in so much as I was tied up with uh, dealing with that. And, and that's to be expected, I guess. Did he know and follow your career in the Navy pretty thoroughly? Yeah, he knew of it. He was an Army fellow, as I think most people know who've listened to my show, but he never really followed military stuff after that. In fact, I would say he went quite the opposite and became very much outspoken against war and for progressive uh, social causes. Mm -hmm. And so for him, he didn't really speak much of it. I think he was proud of me in so much as that I had succeeded in doing what I'd set out to do and did it well. You know, he always enjoyed hearing updates on the things I was doing. But again, we had a very different kind of relationship. You know, he didn't come to our wedding. I don't think he came to, well, he did come to my commissioning. Yeah, he didn't come to my retirement, but by that point, he had been up there in age. And so, you know, he, he was different, but he's still my dear old dad. And so, you know, we dealt with that just like anyone who has different quirks. Sure. Okay. Well, I just kind of wanted to touch base on that. And, I, you know, I've met your stepfather, and I, who I really like, and I know what an impact he had on you. For sure. Being the person that took you to the air show that where you saw your first fighter and thought, I can do this, you know, and... It's a rich tapestry in Americana families, yes. right? So, <laughs> Yeah, well, I've done some writing on it in our musings section on our website. And so anyone who's interested can see a little of the background. But yeah, you know, it's I'm glad for the opportunities I've had with my stepfather as well, who was the announcer on the show for the longest time. Yeah. He went for different reasons to the show. He liked the technical side of it. But yeah, you're right. I was smitten. And these days, I encourage anyone to take a kid to an air show because you just don't know the response it might have. Very good. Okay. Well, that's the personal stuff. That's the good stuff. Now let's just talk tech. This is straight out tech okay. on the show. How you make them, <laughs> what you do, what's going well. Let's start with the team. Who all is on your team? And I know that Sunshine, I'm interested to see how this works for you because I know what it's like when I lost my first co-host and it, it does happen, but maybe talk about the team and you can you maybe start with Sunshine. Uh, sure. You know, he was kind enough to join me and was very patient as we learned how to do this and offered his enthusiasm and expertise, which were both in abundance. There came a point I 
won't speak for him, but I don't know if maybe he just felt like he'd done what he wanted to do, but also that his day job was getting busier. Either way, you know, it was time to move on and we did it on amicable terms. He texts me from time to time to say that he's thrilled that the show is doing well and people still when they write emails will say, Hey, Jello and Sunshine, you know, so they still think of him as part of the show. Sure. But I'm not sad in so much as you're sad when anything is over, but I'm glad for the times that we had. And I think he really added a lot of value to people. And in the meantime, we've had some guest co-hosts this past year. We're keeping options open, but I think for the near term, I will continue to do them either solo or with guest co-hosts. Sure. And typically when something like that happens, it's usually just a time commitment rather than a, I've run out of things to say type issue. Yeah. Yeah. This is an immense undertaking. You know, as we chatted last year, I think last year your ratio was maybe 10 hours of effort to a one hour right. produced episode. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot for anybody. Yeah. And that's just what it takes sometimes. But from the outside looking in, this is a, an easy and fun and jovial at times type of conversation that it sounds like you just hit the record button on. It really isn't like that. Oh, we did. It, it's a full production. Yes. And I think to be fair, his background work for each episode was quite a bit less. I would ask him to listen to the interview and then we would think about a few things we want to talk about, including listener questions. But still, you know, when it's your baby, and I know you can appreciate this, Rob, you will do whatever it takes to raise the baby right and tell everyone how beautiful it is. And when someone says, hey, come help watch my baby, and I guess this analogy is suddenly getting weird, but, uh, you know, it's not the same. It's like, I'm happy to help, but it's your project, not mine. And again, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but I don't think anyone will really put forth the effort like a person whose idea it is to get something off the ground. And he helped a lot. And I'm grateful for that. You did ask about the rest of the team. Yeah. We've had a little turnover uh, with him. And then uh, I think our photographer is moving on. It sounds like he's got a busy job as well, but we still have our core guys that are doing everything to make the show not only function, but really just, I'm lacking the word suddenly, but it's not just prolific, but it's just really doing well. And so that's a good thing. And it's good to see because we've had some, as we'll get to in a moment, some opportunity to outsource certain things. And that has, I think, made the show a lot better. Sure. Well, what all have you outsourced? I know one, <laughs> one thing you've outsourced. Yeah, well, yeah. you do, because you've already named Bernie and uh, he is now our podcast producer as well. Thank you. You and I worked that out. And the interesting thing is, as I listened to our discussion last year, our end of year chat, one of the things I responded to you with was, I really enjoy doing the editing. And while that was true, I did find it to be a little bit onerous over time. Plus, there was just certain things I didn't know how to do. I'm not an audio engineer. And people would often tell me, in fact, I noticed it myself. If I finished one podcast as I was driving of someone else, let's say one of yours, and then mine came on, I had to reach down for the volume to turn it up. I said, well, I must be not getting the luffs right or whatever they call it now. So, so the opportunity presented itself to have Bernie do the podcast production mm -hmm. and everybody seems to love it. It sounds very professional and it saves me a ton of time. So all the stitching together and putting makeup on, as we talked about last year, Bernie does all that. Now I give him the ingredients. He sends me back a finished cake and it's a wonderful thing. Once in a while we change a little something maybe in the last second, but for the most part, it's fantastic having that. And Bernie's the man. I'm glad to hear it. I know how much effort he puts into everything he does, whether it's yours, mine, for a radio station. He does voiceover work. He's the full 
package. Yeah. But yes, having a pro come in to do that particular task, I can totally relate. It's a burden lifted and you can concentrate on, mm-hmm. on the stuff you're, you're doing well elsewhere that you need to lead. In my notes, it says you have nine people on your team. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I think we're down to eight now, and we are looking to add some people. In fact, I've got some peers of mine that are helping with the engagement part of this. As we grow, one thing we started doing at the beginning was we tried to really engage with people, whether they phoned in a question, sent an email, or on social media. And it was easy when we were smaller. I would just get on there myself and respond to people. But as we've grown, it's become a bit more onerous again, to use that word. And so I've got a couple friends that are helping, both from previous episodes, and they are jumping in and responding on YouTube and Twitter and different places. And uh, if people are curious, uh, right now on Twitter, it's Fish from our Night Carrier Landings episode, Trey Kalish. And then our um, Facebook guy who's, who's helping, and he's going to start jumping on YouTube as well, is uh, Trevor Boswell Boat. He was our air-to-air weapons guest, flew F-16s. And so, yeah, it's good to have help. And I could not allow this uh, flourish is maybe the word I was looking for earlier. I couldn't really allow the podcast to continue to grow and flourish as it has without the help of the team. And I'm so grateful for that, including you and uh, Bernie. Awesome. And, you know, that's much appreciated. And like we chatted about last year, this is a show that I, yeah, I, I'm sure I encourage you to do it. I, obviously the work is yours, but this was a show that I personally wanted to consume. And I'm just here <laughs> to tell you, it's been what I hope for and more. It really has. I oh. do listen to the episode. I look forward to them. And I even know what's coming because I see the edits fly by <laughs> through 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 Bernie, but I, I purposely don't listen. To, yeah, I, I, I know what's coming, but I purposely don't listen just so I can be surprised. But uh, one last tech item. Uh, your YouTube channel does feature all of your episodes here. It's really nice. Yes. And uh, one of the people on our team has really encouraged us to follow that model. So I'm following in your footsteps there for 2020. Oh. Because of that, because a lot of people do like to listen to content on YouTube. And frankly, because it's just a big platform, people can find you. I did see that uh, your review of the second Top Gun trailer, you're, you're over a million views. Yes. On that video yes. right now. For this year and next year, uh, will you be using YouTube? as an outsource or as a, I guess, a lead magnet for the show more? Absolutely. It's interesting, though, because YouTube, as you're probably familiar, and maybe the listeners are as well, it sometimes puts content in front of the wrong people. And so, again, hearkening back to last year's conversation, when you asked me about negative feedback, I've received more of that. And I attribute it not to the fact that there's just grumpy people out there because my content is so great, everyone should love it. But I think it recommends my videos sometimes to people if they just walk away from their computer and they come back and they were watching cat videos and suddenly it's fighter pilot stuff mm-hmm. that they say, well, what is this? You know, this is, I don't, who cares kind of thing, especially some of the just raw flying videos I've put up there. But that's just a diversion to the real question you asked, which is yes, YouTube is a great place to not only share content and inform and educate the listener, which has always been the goal, but the side benefit that we talked about last year, and that is also to generate some revenue because it is busy and we are paying Bernie as he should. He's a professional and we have other expenses. And so YouTube has provided us a nice supplementary revenue source. So I want to do it for all those reasons. And in fact, I'd like to do more. I'd love to start doing live episodes. You've seen them on different shows. We're not there yet, Mm -hmm. but you hear it. And if you listen to it through iTunes or whatever they call all that different players now, you just hear it, of course, but there's also a version where you can see the 
of people, you know, in the studio with their headphones on. And so well, I'd like to maybe move to that. The other thing I'm considering doing is just more turn on the recorder and say, hey, everybody, I get the question about this all the time and just maybe do a couple two, three minute video on something that people ask about, and then use that as a repository for when we get the question later, it's a simple place to point to because otherwise I forget which listener question was answered in which episode. And it's hard to point people back to that. But yes, YouTube will factor very strongly into our plans going forward. You know, I don't know that I've ever had a a video that went as viral as that. But I can tell you it's been a very good lead magnet. I have some friends who are, they are YouTubers. That's their profession. And they do have typically a a bad video for them is, you know, half a million views. And they've shared their analytics. They're usually happy if they can get somebody to stay on their video for three to five minutes at best. Mm -hmm. And they usually produce 30-minute videos. That is always a mind blower to me because I'm sure you see the same. In a podcast, you usually have people at a 90, 95% consumption rate of an hour show. I mean, it's a lot. They're in. They're in and hooked for the whole thing. That to me is the downside of YouTube that I just don't like. It's a totally different way to engage with people, but there's just no question how big and visible it is. I think that's a great idea. I think that's really smart. I appreciate it. YouTube is going through some changes and those who YouTube daily like that are, I think, disappointed with some of the things they're doing. But for us, we think of it as one more outlet to reach our audience. Before we move on to 2019 review, is there anything else you wanted to cover as far as things that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy or anything like that? Well, I've enjoyed the growth because it's opened new doors for us. We've had a lot of leads that have come in now that we haven't had to go after. So people will write us and say, hey, my dad was an A4 pilot, or hey, I've got a friend who flew the Saab Viggen. And so we've gotten a lot of leads from that. But truthfully, it's hard to keep up with them all (laughs) because we do try, as we talked about last year, to record in person. But I am also mindful of, okay, the show needs to evolve. I mean, that's normal. People evolve. And so I have begun doing more episode recordings where I did it remotely, uh, like our B1 for Bomber Month, because we had to get Bomber Month out and I wasn't about to fly from San Diego to the East Coast. So we just jumped on the phone and hopefully people don't mind. But I don't know about you. I find that when I've been in the same room with a guy, there's such a better connection. So I want to keep that where I can. But we've also grown in length. I remember last year you asked me about the length and I said, I think, you know, usually around an hour. Well, I would say the normal nowadays is about an hour and 20. Mm-hmm. It's just been really fun to watch this go. And I will tell you, there are days where I think, holy cow, I better turn up my game because people are showing up. I mean, this is getting good. I need to like start being a good host. And (laughs) I have to remind myself that that's the enemy talking, right? You know, it's like it's self-doubt and all these things we've been told we don't have to deal with. Hey, if they're showing up, it's because they like what they're hearing. And I just need to keep doing that. And so does my team with the music and the editing and everything that we do. Sure, I seek incremental improvement. I try to sound better and say smarter things, but it's slow going. But it's been fun. Yes, been a good year. Has there been any point, and be honest, where you maybe thought, this is more time than it needs to be, or I've scratched all the itches and I'm, I'm ready to quit? No, not yet. I mean, it's a bit of a grind. And anyone who has hustle jobs, whether you work for yourself or, you know, do the side gig economy or whatever they call it now, you, I'm sure, can appreciate this. It's a grind. And 
there's not a day. I mean, I'm at my in-laws for the holidays. I have been on my computer quite a bit today, responding to people on social media, thinking about this recording for tonight. Uh, I had a gentleman who wanted to interview me for an article he's writing. I've got to start thinking about the episode that's going to come out on January 3rd because... Mm -hmm. Before I know it, Christmas will be over and New Year's will be in my face and Bernie's going to want to take some time, I'm sure. So I need to get the ingredients to him so he can bake the cake. The grind wears me down a little bit, but I still enjoy it. It's fun to see that there's still people who will write me and say, oh, I just discovered the show and I love it. And I'm only up to episode 25. And the discovery part of that is always a joy. And, you know, to be perfectly blunt, and I will be. Success feels good, and so does a little revenue. I mean, it is starting. We have definitely caught up. Uh, last year when we talked, I don't think I had caught back up to the <laughs> expenses that I had accrued up until that point, but this year we did, and uh, now I'm able to share that with the team and have a budget and plan some events and what do we want to do, and all that is all goodness, I think. Oh, I think that's awesome. Well, let's chat about the year that was, I guess, uh, 2019. Sure. And I can't remember when the aircraft series start. Was that all 2019? It was. Okay. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. I assume that's been a pretty big hit. I'd like to know your favorites. I have two, but I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, we did start the new year off with the UFO episode with uh, Dave Fravor, yeah. which of course just went crazy. So that's got to be a favorite only because I'm you know, inclined to like anything that does well and kind of I feel justified for my time, particularly that one, since it was all the way to Boston and then an hour drive up to New Hampshire. But also, it's just a great, compelling story, and it's truly perplexing still to me. And of course, now he's gone on to the Rogan Experience and other shows. And the funny thing was the response is, hey, are you going to go check out this other thing? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I have not become a UFO hunter. And then I think we did the fourth versus fifth gen right after that. And then the aircraft series began with, of course, the F-18. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a wonderful series. We've had a lot of exciting aircraft. And truthfully, it's provided us content to keep going because it's relatively easy to get those because there's just so many aircraft. It doesn't take a lot of imagination. But getting other non-aircraft series topics has proven a little more challenging. And we're trying to alternate. And looking to next year, we're going to try to do that as well. Maybe do an aircraft series and then a non-aircraft series. I don't know what else to call it, but alternating. But the SR-71 was another favorite, as well as the F-14. Uh, I think those were two very obvious ones. The A-10 was fun because we just started with a gun. Uh, the F-16 was great. But the thing I really enjoyed about the SR-71, and again, I hope I don't come across as an egomaniac, but when the guest said to me that it was one of the better interviews he's ever had because he's been through a lot of them with yeah, his sure. public speaking and then turned around. And when I asked him strengths and weaknesses, said, how dare you ask that? You know, Brian Shaw was a good sport. He was well-spoken. We had a good time. He liked to uh, rib the Navy a little bit and that was okay. But that one was just fun, but also because I'd flown up to Sacramento and jumped in a car to go see him. And we spent most of the morning together. And, and that was a good one. Plus, I just always loved the SR-71. I learned a lot about it. Yeah. But of course, everyone loves the Tomcat. So that's an easy one. Everybody loves the F-16. Everyone loves the F-22. That was a favorite as well. There's a lot more to come. So yeah, the aircraft series has been great. So I lied. I didn't have to. I had three. Okay. There's there actually one you didn't mention on there, but uh, aliens question mark was my first note. I really enjoyed how you handled it in the show. Because you just kept an open mind, like, this person saw something, and he thoroughly believes that. 
Yeah. And I am not going to prejudge that he didn't see something. You know, I have my suspicions what I think maybe it could be, but you know what? That's what he thinks he saw, and he thoroughly believes it. The F-14 episode, I do love that airplane, but one of the reasons I liked that one or was really intrigued by it is because I, you know, I'd shared my story about kind of wanting to go the Air Force route and being offered a NFO slot, I guess. That would be a non-flying Effectively, officer. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the Air Force to go to officer candidate school and not having pursued that. Just thinking I, I'll just reapply when I can try better. And was it Cosmo? Was he the non-flying, the Rio? I think that was Cosmo. He was the Naval Flight Officer, yes. Naval Flight, okay. He made a comment about an experience he had in the Air Force or with corresponding with his counterparts in the Air Force, and that there they were treated differently, maybe very differently, like not as positively as they were in the Navy. And I remember hearing that and just selfishly being slightly relieved, like thinking, maybe I dodged a bullet there. And that was one comment in the universe. And I'm sure there's, you know, hundreds of people, uh, maybe thousands in the Air Force listening that didn't have that experience. But when he said it, I will briefly say like, oh, man. Maybe I've made the right choice. <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It, if it brought you a little peace, then I'm glad for that. I have heard that too, anecdotally. But as with most generalizations, I'm sure there are exceptions. And sure, I think also the Navy has the shared experiences or the shared burden, if you will, of landing on the carrier at night. And that's a bonding experience, as you know. Uh, anytime you do something traumatic, it, it binds you as a crew. So that mm-hmm. was, I think, part of it as well. Here's my third. And I would never have said this prior to hearing the episode, but now it's right up there. The C2 Greyhound episode. Because yes. of JLo, he completely won me over. I was all in on that guy. <laughs> and I, I I ended up being in love with that airplane when it was all over. And, and him in particular. I loved it. Yes. You know, and I think I mentioned it elsewhere. He was a little coy about being vulnerable, as we'll call it. And I told him, I said, no, man, this gold, it's people are going to love it. They're going to love you. And he was the right guy for the airplane because maybe the airplane's not glamorous. It's true, but he is. And that's what I love about this business is it's the people. The people make all the difference. And as soon as you said even the C2, I felt a little sheepish because, I mean, they're all my favorites, right? I mean, gosh, mm-hmm. Gilo's a good friend. He did great. I, I regret that I didn't mention him, but so are Tiger and Fingers and the F4. I mean, think about what Fingers went through. Totally. And the story on the F4 and Turkey with the F8. I mean, I got goosebumps right now. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's just, <laughs> it's fun and it's cool. And it's, there's all these great stories out there and so many still stories to go to capture. And I love it. And I'm glad people take the time to share it. And I'm glad people take the time to consume it because it's, I think, a worthwhile pursuit. Is it born in conflict and war and death and destruction? Yeah. And that's not great, but I think we do as good as we can with it based on the fact that we're all humans. And yeah, I appreciate you saying that about JLO. He's a hero. You bet. And, and and just how funny he was at certain times. I remember even in different parts where we'd ask him specific questions about the airplane and he would, you know, I don't know. But it uh, it seemed to fly fine, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I just well, thought that was awesome. When you've been removed for a couple of years, as I'm learning, things tend to fall out of your head a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I think we can forgive him for that. But you know, one interesting thing that came from that is one of the guys that he and I used to work with, who was on the airplane that crashed, reached out to me after that episode, wow. and he said, "Hey, I'll come tell my story if you want." And I actually forgot about it till just this moment. I should jot a note down while we're talking, but. 
he was going to come on and tell the story, and I think we should circle back for that. That'd be cool. DCS. Now, this is not something I do. I, I think I would enjoy it, but that has been a component of 2019. Can you explain to me how this works in the business? Are, are listeners able to come in and play different simulations? I'm not up to speed on DCS. Okay. Well, those who maybe are also not, it's Digital Combat Simulator. It's one of many web-based online type aviation simulator games. Yes, we did an episode with Matt Wagner of Eagle Dynamics on the DCS. To your point last year, I think you said I should be the face of Thrustmaster. We have begun yeah. to work with them and, yeah. and we have some of their equipment now at my house, which I never thought I'd have. But Long story short, two things are going on. One is we have a private server that our Patreon supporters are able to access at a certain level. And, you know, we need to really add a lot more to it and do more. And I need to get in there probably and fly and offer ideas to people. But I'm holding back because I want to get good at DCS. It's not just the same that because you are an F-18 pilot means you're good at DCS. It's enough different that I don't want to show up and embarrass myself. So (laughs) we have that and people get in there and they fly around and we have a lot of ideas for different things we'd love to do, like little tutorials or matches or maybe even me and an LSO buddy like Fish or Dud sitting there watching people's landings and giving them grades and and having fun like Waldorf and Statler from the Muppet Show or something. But there's a lot we're doing. But the other thing we're doing, which I'm really excited about, is we have a guy on the team, call sign Baltic Dragon, who is building a DCS campaign that will eventually be for sale, hopefully early in 2020, where the different missions, over a dozen of them, will follow the story of Raven One by Kevin Miller. So we are working with BD. Kevin Miller is part of the group. We all collaborate. We get together a couple times on email a month, sometimes as much as once a week. And we're making sure that uh, Hoser is satisfied with the story, with the way we're able to build it in DCS, with the graphics on the side of the squadrons that he created and the characters that he created. And I think it's really going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. And I think the whole campaign is only going to end up being like $10. So people People who are into DCS and want to look for that when it comes out will, of course, be promoting it, but it shouldn't be that much, and it should be a really exciting way to go fly some missions out of a book that hopefully everyone's read if they are into naval aviation. That's awesome. That would be really neat, especially when it follows the book like that. And I do remember uh, two years ago going to a Thrustmaster booth at the Oshkosh Air Show and just immediately think this is Vincent, <laughs> right? Or it should be. <laughs> In the automotive world, the equivalent would be iRacing. That's the super hyper accurate, not only visually accurate, but from a physics perspective, accurate version in our world for racing. Different tracks, different cars. So I, I get it for DCS. That's a total endemic fit. Yeah. What did you want to do this year that didn't work out or hasn't worked out yet? Well, the... Um... We talked last year, if you recall, about the hangar. It was an idea that I had had that we were going to have a repository for different aircraft on our website. And to his credit, our uh, graphic designer and web guy, uh, Yannick, said, hey, here's some prototypes. And we just got overcome by events and weren't able to follow through on it. And I guess in the end, I decided, you know, there's available information like this already. I don't know if I want to duplicate what's out there. And I hated to say that because he had poured his heart and soul into it. So we didn't get the hangar. We didn't do as many movie reviews as we would have liked. In fact, I don't know that we did very many more at all. 
And the sponsorship thing, uh, again, back to the beginning of the discussion, we did start with a new company back in August, and we hoped that they would bring us, as a broker does, uh, buyers and sellers, it connects them. And we're still waiting for our first deal, if you will. And it's fine because we do get support through Patreon, and that's wonderful. But, you know, I think everyone, whether it's through YouTube or other podcasts that they listen to, they're used to some promotions, and we still do some promotions. I mean, we promote our own products and services and different things, and once in a while, we'll help someone like the uh, Call the Ball fella, Brian. So we help different things, or air shows. Air shows will help promote us if we help promote them. But, you know, that is another thing that hasn't quite worked out, but those are still things we're working on. Sure. When it comes to movie reviews, funny enough, I just went to see you in a movie today. It took my whole family. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Star Wars. Did you know that you're in the new Star Wars? Uh, you play the oh, role no. of Poe Dameron, the cocksure, <laughs> super cool fighter pilot, X-Wing pilot, I mean, who looks yeah. very similar to you. <laughs> it's awesome. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. It is. Uh, but since I saw the first one three years ago, I remember thinking, that guy looks just like Vincent, and he's a pilot. I kind of dig this. And so, yeah, I just watched you uh, in Star Wars today. Uh, I liked you in it, by oh, the way. Well, thank you. You did great. You did great. Don't give away too much. We're, the family's going tomorrow, so uh, no, I appreciate that. You know, it's funny because in, uh, what was it, The Last Jedi, I think, was the middle of the last three, yeah. uh, where he's kind of raising his voice at the new commander and telling her that she's making poor choices, and she just kind of looks at him patiently and somewhat condescendingly. And I thought, you know, Hollywood sometimes gets the stereotype wrong, and I spend a lot of my podcast time railing against that, but... There were some truisms in that part, I thought, uh, where we don't suffer fools, especially if we think we have the right way. And by we, I'm talking about fighter pilots. And so mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to kind of chuckle at that one. So I look forward to this next one. Thank you. I think you will enjoy it. I certainly did. <laughs> the, the critics... Rise of critic, Skywalker. Yeah, the critics called, didn't right? love it. And uh, maybe that's why I liked it even more. <laughs> it, uh, it was really, oh, good. really good. 2020. Yes. What is in uh, the outlook for 2020? How many shows are you producing monthly? Is it three? Is it two? What's your schedule? Well, it's two to four. Two <laughs> it's to four. usually three. For Bomber Month, we did four. And I took the liberty of doing that because I, there was four I wanted to do. And also, I just thought, if we're going to have Bomber Month, we should do something different besides just call it Bomber Month. So we had four, and we released them on Mondays consecutively. And that was a big hit. But then over the summer, particularly after my father passed and I had that little bit of downtime and realized I'd been sprinting a marathon for the longest time. I went to two. So long story short, the goal for next year is three a month from January to June, probably two a month, July and August, and then three a month again in the fall. We might do Top Gun month in June. So sure. if we do, there could be maybe as many as four. We'll probably do another bomber month just because it seemed to go over so well. And as I like to say, nothing says the holidays like a bomber, uh, which really doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of funny, I think. <laughs> um, so, and then, but also, you know, another thing we might do is if I happen to have three episodes in one general topic, like army aircraft, maybe we'll do army month, even though there won't be a change in the schedule. So, Probably around three dozen shows again. You know, who knows what'll happen? Do something changes? If I get ill or another family emergency, that could change things. But that's the goal. I definitely do think with 2020, with the movie Top Gun 2, that should be a gift to you and a gift to them to have you. I really can see that playing well together, especially because they're flying your airplane. You know, this is a, a movie where it's the FA-18. I, I realize it's the Super Hornet. 
which you are, you were capable and flew, right? You did fly the Super Hornet. I was. Okay. Yep. So this is all totally in your wheelhouse, in your branch of the service. I'm kind of curious if you'll be doing any interaction with the people from the movie. I think they would love to have an outlet on your show to spread the word. Yeah, I appreciate that. I thought that too. And uh, the friend of mine who's involved with the movie, who's been on the show, he said to me, Jello, you have how many followers? He said, okay. (laughs) He wasn't being condescending, but I think his point was, we are very small potatoes compared to Paramount. I don't think Tom Cruise needs to come on my show in order to get more viewers of the movie. Certainly, we would be thrilled if he was willing. I don't know what I would ask him. I'd probably be a little starstruck, which I'm not normally, but I think it'd be fun. And (laughs) I don't know. Our plan just to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit as what we're thinking for next June is uh, Bio Baronic, who was the uh, guy involved with the first Top Gun filming, wrote a book about it, Top Gun Days. He was in the backseat of the two-seat MiG-28 when Maverick and Goose uh, rolled up upside down on him and, and uh, what does he say, communicated? Yeah. He's got a book coming out in May, so we'd like to get him on the show to talk about his new book and Top Gun Days and, and his point of view. And then um, Brad Elward, a uh, relatively famous author, who is writing the authoritative Top Gun history book. It's going to be over a 1,000 pages. He's been working on it a long time. To my knowledge, he's interviewed basically every living Top Gun instructor there is, myself included. And so we'd love to get him on the show and help him promote his book. I will definitely be buying it. And, and then... Once the show airs, then we will bring back our guest, who I'm trying to not identify until then, to talk about what it was like in Fallon, in Lemoore, in the Pacific Northwest, day in, day out. I mean, he was one of four people in meeting rooms, and the other three were Bruckheimer and and Cruz and the director and producers and all these other guys. I, I don't know who's who, and I should. But anyway, he would be in small group meetings with these guys, and so he was intimately familiar. And so it'd be great to have him come on as well. And, you know, he's the guy who warned me, as I said on this most recent little mini trailer review I did on the second one, the real G's, real actors and all that. I got on there and I said, hey, you know, Paramount has said, look, again, suffer fools. If if you're going to say something pejorative about our film and we think you hurt our sales, we can come after you. Now, I have no idea the legal precedent for that, but I'm not going to find out. I want people to go see the movie. I do think it'll be good. I hope it is great. So I have to be careful. I've been cautioned, I guess, because of my ties to my previous guest and the fact that I was a Top Gun instructor and Top Gun is heavily involved in the movie. So by Top Gun, I mean the institution. So when it's over, then we can talk about it. And I don't, it's not like I'm going to be looking to pull it apart. I just try to call it like I see it because that's what people come to this show for. They want to learn about military aviation and that's what we try to do. Yeah. I saw another fighter pilots review of the trailer. Yours is better. For right reasons uh, that, that we don't really need to delve into, it's uh, some of it's just more who you, whose personality you like. But I do appreciate your take on it, and yeah, there, there's no need to make enemies or anything like that with a with a big company. I'm just glad that this is out there, and it has been eons since Tom Cruise made a bad movie. So I expect a very very good movie. Well. As I've learned through the comments on YouTube, there are some who adore him and there are some who despise him. And that is true for anything these days. It seems like society has found the ability to make anything a hot button item. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, hey, he has a job to do. He does it well. And whatever the hang up people have, it's still a compelling movie. I agree with you. Uh, there, you know, there's some I like better than others, but I think it'll be good. And to your earlier question, that is a big part of 2020 for us is just getting ready for this movie. But 
doing it somewhat gently and not because we're fearful of big fancy lawyers, but just because, hey, why break any China if we don't have to? They put a lot of resources into this. Obviously, they want it to succeed, and I think it will, and I want to help if I can. One other thing in 2020 that was in our notes, I don't know what this means, but it says fewer promises. And does that mean you would well, like to yes. get better at making fewer or you're going to make fewer? What does that mean? I'm going to make fewer promises because I have found myself saying at different times on the show, like the hanger again, which is relatively trivial, but I think until I know something is fairly for sure, I'm going to stop saying either on episodes or whatever that, oh, we're doing this or this is coming or whatever, because I've learned that. A lot of times things are out of my control. So for example, we had three wonderful people, two were building models, one does helmets, who reached out to me through various social media and they said, hey, we love what you're doing. You know, How can we help? And I said, oh, why don't you make a model that's got two pilots in it and put my name on the front and Sunshine on the back because that's just kind of the guy I am. Sorry, Sunshine. <laughs> and you know, put our markings on it and we'll raffle it off and we'll give the money to the Wingman Foundation. And he goes, great. And he builds it. And then my researcher, Scott, who's a wonderful asset on the team, goes, Jello, we can't really hold a raffle. It's illegal. And he explained it to me, and I don't remember it. I wouldn't want to bore everyone with it anyway. But long story short, I had to tell him, sorry, great model. Good luck doing something with it. And I hate doing that because I feel like such a flake. And it was the same thing with the helmet, although that's a great story anyway, because he designed it like VFA 151 right after Lieutenant Walker perished this last summer. Mm -hmm. And he sent it to the squadron and they took it flying. They didn't wear it because it wasn't legit, but they took it up flying and certified it and took pictures and all this stuff. And so he is going to do that somehow himself and then donate the money to the Wingman Foundation, which is great. So I want to make sure before I say I'm going to do something that I'm actually able to do it because I don't like being someone who can't follow through on what he says he's going to do. That does make sense. And I can totally relate to kind of in the heat of battle uh, or just in the heat of a good idea that just sounds so simple on the uh, surface. Yeah, I've committed to things that later I, even if I did follow through, I didn't want to. Uh, and, and it really sucks backing, yeah. <laughs> backing yeah. yourself out of a, a deal, especially with somebody who's legitimately likes your content and just wants to help. That's a toughie. And I, I totally get that. Yeah. What was the thing about this year that blew you away? Was there anybody that you got to meet because of the show, you know, like your uh, SR 71 example, was there anybody that was a hero of yours that you just were tickled to have gotten to meet and knew that the show was the only way that you really had a, a natural way to do that? I think if I had to narrow it down to one that I knew of, it would be Brian Schull because he has already the presence with his SR-71 ground speed story and his book, The Sled Driver. And I'd worked with him and on him, if you will, for six months. And when it finally worked out, you know, just to be able to see him and, and just to connect with him. And I just was able to just sit and, and kind of just say, here's a man who has appearances, outward appearances, which not all of us do. I mean, so many of us have things that are hidden inside, but here's a man who has outward appearance that the passerby just thinks, oh, you know, here's a guy with scars and gee, I wonder what happened, but they don't have any clue mm -hmm. that he was left for dead. And they said he was going to die and oh, okay, well, you didn't die, but you're never going to fly again. Oh, you're going to fly, but you know, an astronaut qual and, and he handles it so well. He's so graceful and he was so accommodating. And so for me, that was one. But I will tell you also, I met several that I didn't know of, but I now think of in similar veins. And again, I, I would refer to Turkey, 
Tucker, who was wonderful, you know, former F8 and Blue Angel and everything else, as well as uh, Stretch, our F22 guest. And then everyone hasn't heard this yet, but he put me in touch with an F15 guy. And the F15 guy and my separate F16 guest both have over 4,000 hours in their aircraft. And to me, that's just amazing. I just like, wow, these guys are, I mean, you, you can't go much higher. There's very, very few people that have 5,000 hours in the same fighter or any airplane other than an airliner. And you get that while you're eating your meal. So, uh, you know, to me, that's, those guys are my heroes, but yeah, Brian is, uh, I don't know if I did a delicate job of it. I don't mean to say that his appearance matters, but it does to me because I know the story. Mm -hmm. And so in a society where we're hung up on gender and race and all these different things, I hope people don't misunderstand what I was trying to say. And Brian, if you're listening, I certainly, I respect you uh, is what I'm trying to say and what you've been through. I didn't know the depth of his story. I, I mean, I'd heard the L.A. speed check story a number of times. Right. But until your interview, I really didn't know much about him. And then to look it up. And was it a T-28? Is that what he crashed in? Correct. Yes. And to go from that, which is a, you know, a radial engine prop mm-hmm. plane to, you know, driving the sled, right? I mean, that's that's amazing. <laughs> That's totally yeah, and amazing. the A10 and the uh, A7, yeah. So he did it all, and he's doing well as a speaker, and that's a good thing. And again, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, there's one other thing that was on our notes that that is one of my goals, and I don't know that 2020 is the year, but uh, one of my goals was to fly with you in a jet someday, not an airliner. That's right, an actual jet jet. Yes. <laughs> I, I would, have this written down. Actually, I was going to ask you about it. I would love to do that. What would be our best shot? Would we need to go to one of those fighters for a day type place or, uh, or uh, like an <laughs> L bird or like, how do we pull this off? I don't know that I'm ready to answer that this year, Rob. We may have to gestate on it another year, but the Draken guys, they've taken it easy on me. But for a while they were saying, Hey, you know, we got flying a fours and other cool jets right here in Nellis. Come get back in the skies. And I keep telling them, Hey, as soon as you need me all day long in San Diego, I'm all over it. But until then, Hmm. another week of being gone from the family doesn't sound great. And I, I don't mind Vegas, but it's not my favorite place, but I need to be able to get in the front seat of a jet so that you can get in the back. And I don't think, uh, a, you know, air combat USA type of place is going to allow that. So (laughs) I I don't know how to answer that. Although here's one thought now that the F-18 Hornet is quote unquote, supposedly retired, although they're still flying them up in Fallon and there's a couple of reserve squadrons and the blue angels, Eventually, like we talked about on the Harrier episode, another hero, by the way, there is a guy who owns two Harriers. So Rob, you heard it here first. I want to be the guy who owns an FA-18B, and I can take you for a ride, and we can go to air shows, and we can paint Red Bull on the side or whatever we got to do. Yeah. But I think that could be a, uh, a good place. <laughs> All right. I love where this is going here, Vincent. Um, <laughs> this is, we're on to yeah. something. I've um, uh, just walking through, uh, again, the Oshkosh Air Show is the one I always mentioned, but just walking through the 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 military section this last year, I really was thinking, I wonder when I'm going to see my first quote unquote, more modern era jet in here, because there, the newest thing you might see is like a Sabre, an F-86. Right. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I could see it happening. There are privately (laughs) owned jets and really it's the Benjamins. If if you got the money, you can make it happen. Well, for certain airplanes, you're not going to go buy an F-22, but yeah. No, 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 no. But Yeah, I think we could pull this off. That would be very fun. For the last 2020 question or 2019 question, how have you enjoyed your airline career? 
because that's also it's a diff, very different kind of flying. But have you come to enjoy the the perks, the travel, the whole prominence of it? Well, I definitely enjoy the perks and the travel, and the, the compensation is good. I will tell you that it still does not scratch the itch that flying an F eighteen used to, in so much as the I still don't know what to call it, but you know, there's such deep meaning when you're serving for your military. That part will always lack. But I think the only thing that I would say negatively about it is that for me as a commuter, meaning I'm living in San Diego, but I'm based in LA, that to get up there all the time means you've got to try to jump seat and or drive or so it adds to the grind. And truthfully, Rob, I don't know if my airline will care or if they're listening, but instead of being an airline pilot who has a podcast, what I'd really love to do is be a podcaster who also flies for the airline. Mm. So I don't know if you can get the subtle distinction there, but Mm -hmm. if we can continue to do well with the show, as well as I've started doing some public speaking, anyone who's been watching our musings and different things uh, sees that uh, I've, I've started doing that. If I can generate enough revenue doing those other things, well, maybe I could fly uh, a little less for the airlines. I could see that being a good fit. I think every time I've gone to a convention where they had a, you know, a really powerful speaker that I thought was applicable, I I let you know. And I remember once I saw an F-16 speaker and it was at, I was at a construction convention of all places and it, right. It really didn't have a lot to do with construction, but it had everything to do with goal setting. And really they just wanted to bring in a person who would pump people up. You'd walk out with, you know, your chest puffed out just a little bit more just like everybody does when they listen to your show. So I could absolutely see that, you know, being a good fit for you, but well, cool, man. I think that's a great place to wind this one out. I'm, I really look forward to 2020 for BVR productions. I'm, I can't wait to see what you're going to come up with next. I do think the Top Gun movie this year will complement your great work. (laughs) So (laughs) totally ready for it. It's going to be a great year. Uh, The only other thing that didn't come up that I want to mention for the sake of the listeners is that just for fun, since it is our third year in showbiz, we will move the distribution schedule to the 3rd, 13th, and 23rd of every month, and we'll do it at 3 a.m. San Diego time just for the fun of it. But other than that, (laughs) yeah, I think it's going to be a great year, and I really appreciate you uh, helping me take a look at what we're doing and what we're going to do, Rob. My pleasure. I will continue to be a big fan and uh, hopefully still be the avatar that you're looking for. Well, you have been so far. So, yep. Thanks very much. And uh, we'll certainly be in touch, buddy. All right. See you, man. Have a good day. All right. You too. Thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow-ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran.